Welcome to Healing City Podcast. My name is Pastor Eric Seepin. The following podcast is an interview with Russ Lewis on vulnerability. This particular podcast is part two, so we're going to pick up the conversation right in the middle. If you haven't heard part one, we suggest that you stop here and go back and listen because you'll need the context. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Healing the City Podcast. The following podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you wish to support the Healing the City podcast, you can go to the show notes, click support the show, and you can become a subscriber for 3 5 or $10 a month. This will help offset the hosting costs and continue the ministry of Healing the City podcast. Also, if you wish to support the show, we really encourage you to rate us on Apple and Spotify and other places that podcasts are listen to and give us a good review. Thanks. Yes. Well, and I think what's fascinating even in all that is in his most, what I would call his most Christological moment in, in Mark 14, when the high priest is asking him, you know, are you the son of the blessed one, the Christ, the Messiah? I mean, our text says, he says, I am. And everybody's like, oh, he's saying that. Literally, probably what he says in the Greek is yes. <laughs> like his 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 answer to this to this claim is simply just yes. Yeah. Like no, like all of a sudden he gets seventy feet bigger and like you know the terror of the Lord. No, just yes. Yeah. Like you basically have said the correct thing. That's a power. Like the humility of that moment is so powerful to me. Um, yeah. So anyway, continue in your your process of talking about. This, this idea of Jesus's vulnerability. So, so as I said, Jesus is being vulnerable to humans by who put him in this situation. And he's being vulnerable to the father who makes the choice that he must, um, that he must approach this. And, uh, some point, probably not today, but at some point we could talk about like, the vulnerability of the father because he knows the breach that's going to happen in the Trinity. But, but the, I've gone a little further of late because I have thought about what he didn't ask for. Hmm. And in my older theology where I didn't think of God as being vulnerable. Um, I would, I, I, I said, okay, yes, God loves us, but he's going to get glory out of it. He's going to get worship. He's mm-hmm. going to get relationship. Jesus dies on the cross. Yes, that's true, but he gets glorified later. And, and actually Calvinist theology, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to veer off of Calvinist theology. The Calvinist answer is that God is trying to maximize his own glory. And the way he maximizes his own, his own glory is this plan of salvation that includes death and resurrection. But in Gethsemane, that's not the prayer that Jesus prays. He doesn't say, hey, Father, you and I have got a plan, and I know it's going to pay off. Right, you know, he invests a little bit up front. Yeah, you know, what the Dave Ramsey quote: 
live like no one else today so that tomorrow you can live like no one else, right? You know, uh, he, 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 he doesn't say, this is going to hurt a lot, but it's important and it's really going to be valuable in the end. Right. He doesn't talk about his return on investment. Mm-mm. He says, I'd prefer to not do this. At least the part of him that's expressing the the rights that he has says that I'm not saying that Jesus actually was trying to violate well, the plan, but I think like just to kind of maybe add a little bit of, to add that you know paint it out a little bit. I think that the Jesus as a human and as the full incarnation of God like was always fully present to the moment, right? And so he's able to say those things because he's fully present to the pain, suffering, and agony of the crucifixion. And and so that so there's what we're witnessing is that vulnerability in its fullness in the moment, right? But but the thing the answer the thing that he says in the end is not give me the courage to endure because this is going to pay off, right? Right. What he says is in the end, not my will but yours, right? The thing the claim that I'm making, which. Uh, as you were pointing out last night. I'm not going to claim that it's theologically innovative. I just don't know of anybody who says this. <laughs> Is I don't think that the, the cross paid off for him. Hmm. I think that vulnerability means that Jesus, after the death, resurrection, future glorification, all the way out through Judgment Day, I think Jesus is in a worse spot than he started. Hmm. But that's a choice that he's willing to make for the sake of taking care of somebody else. Hmm. That's powerful. And I, I think you can even extrapolate that out in the sense of, well, I don't know if I would say uh, put a, a quantitative value of worse or better, but I would say there is a new and different kind of pain because, again, he's given people the capacity to reject him. Right. Um, and that's, that, that is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He's put himself, the crosses and the resurrection have put him in a place where he said, you, you can reject me. Yeah, exactly. And we talk a lot, like for me, it's like the beauty for me when I think about my theology of sovereignty, I understand that God's sovereign rule is over all things. But what's beautiful is God's presence because God inside of his sovereignty can be fully present yeah. to the rejection. Yeah. And that exactly. I can't even comprehend because I can't, if I were sovereign, I can't imagine being present right. to, the, to, to well, it. And that, that's the classic thing. We humans, we say, if I get emotional, then I'm out of control. Right. And the claim that we're making is that God can be deeply emotional. There can be meaningful impacts that he feels. And he says, yes, this is exactly what I knew I was going to feel. And I've integrated it into the weave of the entirety of history that I had planned out. And so the thing that I had planned to do, I am still going to do. And ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I really like that. That's cool. I mean, I think you're the whole concept of vulnerability and then i think if people are listening to um, those who like to geek out on these things maybe are keeping listening um, i think there's a lot of, of good and rich things as to how we relate to one another um now my question would be to you is 
Okay, when you go before God and you say, okay, I, I lay all this, all my longings, I lay them out to you. And you're saying Jesus was vulnerable and there wasn't a payoff. And you're imitating Jesus in a sense. I, I can go with you, but I also think there, 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 there is something in the gospel and that, that says there's some goodness to doing that. Like something is better when you do that. Right. And what would you, I mean, it's not a payoff, but something happens to you that's good and rich when you do that. It's not like, cause I can see someone hearing you and be like, well, okay, so forget that. I'm not doing that. Right. Why would I do that? So, yeah. So there's definitely a payoff and like that's, that's the, the, the nuance I'm going to try to say that there is a payoff. I just think that the payoff is less than the price. Hmm. And that there's a reason why we're going to worship God. Right. And that worship is going to have meaningful impact on him. He likes to be worshipped. And he deserves to be worshipped. And he really enjoys it. And what's the impact on you, though? I'm curious. Why, why would you do it? The impact on me is that I get to know my God better. Because if this is the way God interacts with all of us at all times, where he says, given the choice between doing something that would make things better for you and something that would make things better for me, I'm going to choose to take care of you. Yeah. Well, I love him and I love him for that. And I want to be like him. And when I get, when I actually live that out well, then I get to experience a joy that I was made for. Right. Because part of being created in the image of God means I was created where I'm going to be most fulfilled when I'm acting like God. And if God is continually vulnerable, then the place where I will feel best is when I'm being vulnerable. Yeah. But, of course, now... the this is where you're going to go layers upon layers upon layers, right? If I try to get that feeling, right, then I'm actually acting, uh, I'm acting selfishly, and God's not mocked, right? right? It's God's not trying to feel good. Right. I should not be trying to feel good, but if I act like God, I should expect that it will feel good. Right. Right. I like that. That's good. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Um, yeah. So this whole—I mean, I've I've known you for a long time, as people will have picked up an earlier podcast at this point. But I, I think that this has been a long time journey as you as you kind of try to figure out and articulate what you think about these things. And uh, in some ways, this is reflective of many of the conversations <laughs> yeah, that we much. have had over the years on many subjects. Um, I think this one is one that you have been kind of pondering for, for a very long time. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so do you have any like final thoughts on kind of this for right now? I mean, I think we'll, I suspect we'll pick up vulnerability in, sure. in the future. Um, but well, so let, let's think about the quick ways that vulnerability could be misunderstood or misapplied. Yeah, that would be helpful. 
Um, the first thing is it has to be focused on somebody else, right? Okay. This is not an abandonment of desire. Right. This is not masochism. This is not stoicism. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not stoicism at all. It's deeply engaged. And I am delighted to get the things that I can when God provides them. Yeah. And if God provides them directly or more likely through the people around me, then go with great gusto into the gifts that you've been given. Um, vulnerability has to be targeted on somebody else. Vulnerability is not about I stop trying to get things. It's about I look ahead of me and I see a path where I could try to get this thing that would be good for me. And I see another path where I could bless you. And I choose the path that will bless you instead of the one that will bless me. And then my vulnerability has a goal, which is your blessing. Now, I can still express my desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and you certainly hope for in godly relationships. You want there to be mutuality, right? But the, 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 it's so different in relationships between two demanding people who negotiate a peace so that they don't go to war. Right. As opposed to two vulnerable people both expressing their desires, both acting in vulnerability towards each other, and feeling not only I get this wonderful experience of godly vulnerability, but I also get the happy thing that I wanted because my wife is being vulnerable towards me. Right. That's So that's really a long-term goal of what you're headed towards. Um, I would also say I think vulnerability is I tried to be as wide open as I could in the definition about meaningful impact. Right. Um, because it turns out that we have a huge amount of impact on each other, mm-hmm. even when we don't feel like we have power. Right. So one of the things that's really important to understand about vulnerability is that the people who feel like they're powerless, people who feel like they're slaves, metaphorically or literally, and however that works, you still have the power to be vulnerable in how you interact with the power. Right. You, like, you can be vulnerable by following your leader. Right. You can be vulnerable by not grumbling. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or I was talking to somebody at the village, and they were asking about how this works out in a marriage. And I said... We're not going to go too much into husband-wife relationships. But I said, I think the the husband ought to lead and say, this is where I think we're going. But he leads in vulnerability. He says, this is where I think we're going. And then he offers his wife the power to choose or not choose. And so leadership, whether it's the a father or the owner of a business or anybody who has any amount of authority there, you can lead with vulnerability by saying, I'm not going to tyrannically 
force you to do the thing I'm trying to implement. I'm going to offer you the opportunity to follow if you're willing. Right. There's a whole bunch of other things we could cover, but yeah, and I, I, I think it's really good, good examples, and I, I think. Um, well, I just want to swing back to your serving of one instead of going towards the joy of blessing. I think what's unique in all of those things is that it, it seems even pre-fall that you and I are designed to care and serve for one, one another. This is Absolutely. not like a, a fall thing. I'm like, oh, now we got to take care of each other right. <laughs> and serve each other. Um and I think there's, so when you were talking about when I submit my desires and longings to God, um, I find the joy of God yeah. right, in a deeper relationship. And that plays itself out when I look at my life in whatever relationship I am and I'm asking the question, how do I bless and serve this person? Yeah. Um, I find a deep joy in that. But the goal is that I want to be Jesus to them and to minister to them. And that's a like, I think what you're touching on in a, such a beautiful way um, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, but I would argue on the cross, oh, absolutely. Like, right, you, you end up with, with an interesting kind of dialogue between Jesus and God, even in that Why space. Why have you forgot, forsaken, forsaken me? me? Yeah, like this, this is so intense yeah. and so vulnerable. And yet, um, it is liberating. Yeah. It is liberating to those who will embrace the vulnerability. Yeah. And I think what happens when you serve someone with that kind of submission to God is that there is a liberation that you feel Absolutely. and experience a like a heavenly liberation. That's what we're talking about when we talk about joy. And the person you serve is experiencing a liberation. Sure. And I think that's just super powerful and exciting to be part of. Yeah. I mean, we, we are made to do that. Yeah. And so... There is a unique pleasure that comes from living out our true identity. Yeah. And our true identity is to be vulnerable to others. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like what people, and, and you know, we've, we, the village, this is, I mean, you're trying to put meat and conversation and scripture and theology and philosophy behind all these ideas. But the village, and it's, it's talked about them for a long time in its simplest forms. Like because people have to grasp them. But I think the thing that people wrestle with internally is it's it's almost it feels completely counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because people say, Well, isn't like I, I should be a I should create my destiny. I should, you know, carve out the path for me and mine. Yeah. Right. You know, like that, that's, that's a big part of at least American culture. Right. And and so it's so counterintuitive. Well, and we have, we've, we've so bought into that idea that the default is I am going to rule my life and I'll try not to be a jerk about it. <laughs> that's a great motto. I'm, I'm going to rule my life and I'll try not to be a jerk. About it. But, but the rule that Christ ordained for us was I am going to actively pursue how I can spend my life for you. Yeah. I mean, Hebrews ten twenty four, right? Consider how we can spur each other on to love and good deeds. This is like actively actively consider how we can minister to each other. But anybody who's tried to minister knows that it's hard. Right. It takes a lot of intentionality, and very often people don't follow. Right. And so 
you consider, you're like, I'm, I'm praying for this person and I see them. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I can, I can like, I can see this ghostly image of the second you, the you that you are and the you that God is trying to make you to be. And I can, I can offer, oh, I've, I've thought about how I can craft encouragement for you. And they just totally reject it. Right. And, but of course, they're not just rejecting you, they're rejecting God. Right. And God doesn't come down and smite them with a lightning bolt. God says, okay, we'll get back to this right, right. some other day. God is vulnerable when we don't obey. Yes. And so we have to be vulnerable when we encourage people around us to obey, and they say no. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even in that situation, there's so much wrapped up in, like, even what your goals in ministering to that person, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there's just so much. So many layers as you talk about. Well, uh, vulnerability is humility, too, yeah, right? I'm, yeah. I, I think I've got it all figured out. But God, you're... Yeah. Yeah, I I might be deeply screwed up and but I trust, right? right? That's the thing like if God is sovereign then God God can be negatively impacted by me in real ways by the choices and the sins I'm making today. And I can still say this is part of the tapestry that God ordained from the beginning. Right. And I can reject God, or you can reject God, or I can follow God, or you could follow God. And God's still in control. So if God's willing to be patient, I can too. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, and and I suspect maybe some hangups that people would get as they listen to the conversation, particularly with like sovereignty and control, because part of what people think about when they think about control is when you say that God is sovereign and control, it's almost like, you know, we got here today and, and if I'm sovereign over you, like somehow I grabbed you behind the neck and then I pulled you over into the podcast room and I sat you down and then I put my hands behind you and I was moving your lips right, exactly. and being, you know, and, and then I'm the one saying the words. And, and I think, no, like we can't overlay God, our like understanding of control right. over God's sovereign will and how it works. Does God have a control that we do not understand? Yes, no doubt. But we cannot put human definition on what that means. We can only put relational definition in the sense of his sovereign will rests deeply in his love, his compassion, and his mercy, and his very nature of who he is. And, and Hard for I, us to deal with. I agree with all that, but I'm also going to turn it back to vulnerability in another sure. way. Keep going. We deserve respect. We have wills that are meaningful. Yeah. And God declares that he's sovereign. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we have to have vulnerability as regards God. Right. I don't want to feel like a puppet. Right. Okay. What if God makes me a puppet? Would that be all right? Sure. <laughs> I mean, in, yeah, the, in, in the end, what I'm, what I'm going to say is I I have lots of philosophical things about determinism. That, you sure. Sure. Michael disagrees with me, but uh, you know we could come Pastor in. We could have Michael, a whole yeah. yes, we could have a whole long discussion about determinism and free will and all these things in the end. But in the end, God says, "Russ, the choices you make are meaningful, 
And Russ, you're not as free as you think you are. And both of those are true. I've got them integrated inside my own infinite mind. You're going to get an approximation of that truth in your finite mind. Sure. Are you willing to let me be in control of this? Yeah. Well, and I think that I think that my and, and now you know we're gonna. I, I don't want to. I really don't want to walk away from what I think is the more profound applications of what you're saying um, into the weeds of vulnerability. Sure. Sure. But I I think that. Uh, what we have to be careful with in all these things, we have to have a humility that we can't, we don't own the definitions. Yes. And we have to be careful not to like sort it down into human, too many like well-defined human categories. We need yeah. categories yeah. that confine conversation so that we understand each other. Um, but we need to be careful on that end of things. I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know, Romans tells us that we are free, free to be a slave. Yeah, exactly. This is the beauty of scripture. Yeah. You are free. To be a slave, yeah. Like there's a pause in that, like, moment, <laughs> exactly. Right? In 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 the, in the way Paul writes, and so I think those are things that you and I are invited to hold in tension, and and not actually submit to the demand to make them fit in the yes. sense. Yes, and I think that's a real. I mean, God gave us minds to play with them, uh-huh. and and I think that's beautiful, and and probably we'll spend more time in this conversation later but yeah i just want to hold on to the beauty of where you've gone with vulnerability and its impact so directly on very simple ways of being in relationship with one another yeah i like how you put a lot of meat to that so i'm hoping people will really grab hold of that in in this conversation um and maybe if people listen to this which some will i hope they ask you questions about it and get you to expand it um and give them more examples yeah so and I will put in the the show notes a link to your Substack because okay. there are a lot of other things, right, that you've been writing about. Um, even like a more comprehensive background story of yep. yourself and, and the way that you've come to where you're at. So, Russ, I actually just uh, apologize that we haven't had this sooner. And <laughs> it was very funny to me, like as I was reading your um, Substack and just, you know, I was like, why, why, why have we not been talking on a podcast in healing the city? Like Russ has been so, so essential to the healing of the city and our church. And I mean, we could tell story after story of like between you and your wife, what God has done in the lives of people at the village and outside. So, and how God has used you in his sovereign will and in your (laughs) movement towards your vulnerability. So Russ, thank you for being so committed to God and to the village and to us as a community and uh, looking forward to having more conversations with you. All right. right. Looking forward to it. Cool. Thanks. You've been listening to Healing the City Podcast with Pastor Eric Seepin and his guest, Russ Lewis, talking on vulnerability. We love the Healing the City Podcast and we hope that you love it too. If you do, like it on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe. Become a subscriber. Share us. More importantly, review us. Say so much on the review. It helps us on the Spotify and Apple podcast realm. Celebrate Healing the City. Email us at healingthecity at gmail.com with your questions, things you want us to talk about. We're looking forward to hearing from you.